Bibles tonight, if you would, to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. Several times since I've been pastor here at Berean, I've had people ask me a question. Sometimes people call me on a phone and they're interested in the church. And they'll ask me, what does the name Berean mean? And they say, well, we've seen in other places Berean Baptist Church. And they're really wondering, is that a branch of the Baptist? I mean, is that like Southern Baptist or Conservative Baptist? What does the name Berean really mean? And most people don't really know that it actually comes here from Acts chapter 17. And it refers, now most of you here tonight, you know this, but it refers to a small town that Paul visited by the name of Berea. And in this very small town where Paul went to preach the gospel, he had a very much different reception than in most places that he went to preach. In most places that Paul visited, they weren't very receptive to the truth of God's word. But Paul found a very pleasant surprise on his second missionary journey when he visited this little town of Berea. Now, one of the things that that made uh, Berea such a different place for Paul to preach was because it was off the beaten path. Usually, Paul would choose a place to preach like Philippi that were studying the book of Philippians on Wednesday night, or he would choose a place like Thessalonica because those were major cities of the region. They were located on trade routes like the Ignatian Way, and that's the way that the Roman government moved their troops from one side of the empire to another, where they moved all their goods and so forth. And so Paul would choose cities like that because he would be able to win people to the gospel of Christ who would then in turn travel to other parts of the world. And then Paul uh, was able to spread the message to far off different places as he won those people to the gospel of Christ. All of that was by God's design. We ought not to think that God does anything haphazardly and God didn't know what he's doing. So uh, God had Paul visit those particular kinds of cities. And uh, one of the things that God did, of course, was he gave the world a common language. The world at that time, most of the world spoke, spoke the Greek language. And so the gospel was able to spread very quickly. So it was very unusual for Paul to go to a place like this, like Berea, in order to preach the gospel. But he went there out of necessity, actually. He had just been preaching in the city of Thessalonica, and he didn't receive a very good reception there, and he was actually run out of town, and he might have been lynched there, except they didn't do lynching back then. They stoned people, and Paul had already been through that. So he went to Berea, this little town which was kind of a cooling-off place where things could die down just a little bit, and when he went there, he found a very pleasant surprise. There were people there that were waiting to hear the message that he preached. I believe that God probably sent Paul there because it was a place that could lift his spirits. And after you've been persecuted so many times and people have been so unreceptive of the gospel, here is a place where people are ready and they were interested in truth. I'd like us to read about that tonight. Let's look at Acts chapter 17. If you'll stand with me, please, as we read God's word. We're going to start at verse number 10. We're just going to read down to verse number 14. I think your outline says to all the way to 15, but we'll just stop at verse 14. Verse number 10. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea. Now, that's after they had this problem in Thessalonica. That's where they left. So they were sent away, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. 
Now, so Paul goes to preach in the synagogue. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed also of the honorable women which were Greeks and of the men not a few. But when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached to Paul at Berea, they came thither also and stirred up the people. And then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go as it were to the sea, but Silas and Timotheus abode there still. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word tonight. Help us, Lord, as we look at this to really understand what a great place it was for Paul to preach in the city of Berea and how the people there received truth. And we ask you, Lord, that we might be the same kind of people, that we would want to receive the truth from your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Truly, Berea was a very pleasant surprise for Paul. Here were people that were prepared for the truth, and they were ready to receive the truth when it came. I think people that are interested in the Bible find a very pleasant surprise, maybe they're not expecting, when they come into Berean Baptist Church. I think when they come here, they may be expecting something quite different than what they receive, and I really do believe that the Berean Baptist Church, and I'm talking about our church right here, I really do believe that our church is like an oasis out there in a dry, desert, gospel-hardened area. This is a place where we believe in in preaching the Bible. Uh, It's a great church because uh, you are people that are interested in the truth. And you really don't know what a great blessing that is to a preacher, to a pastor, to stand in front of people that really want to hear God's Word. You have many questions about the Word of God, and you really have a genuine interest in what the Bible has to say. In most churches, it's really not like that. Most people in, in most of the churches around, they're interested in other things. They're interested in the music program. They're interested in the social aspect of the church. And they care very little at all about whether the Word of God is actually being preached. But I want to tell you something. If you go to church for the music program, and if you go to church because of all the social activities that are going on, you are going to church for the wrong reasons. And I might also add this. If you come to Berean Baptist Church because, well, at Berean Baptist Church, they have a Christian school there, so that's the place that we ought to go. That's really not the right reason for coming to this church. The reason that you would want to come here is because you hear preaching and teaching of God's Word. And so if we never had any social activities at all, if you came to this church and we never even sang one song that was ever on key, you'd be better off going to a church where the truth is being preached. Well, at Berean, these people were, were interested in the truth. And Paul found them there as they, as they listened to what he had to say and they searched the Scriptures and they desired for Paul to teach them what the Bible said. And if you really want to be a true Berean, that's exactly what you have to do. You have to be somebody who desires truth. So the question I really want to ask you tonight is, are you a Berean? Now, you might even be a member of Berean Baptist Church here tonight, but that's not the question I'm asking. I'm not asking, are you a member of Berean Baptist Church? I'm asking, are you a Berean? And that means, do you desire truth? On your, and are, are you willing to search out truth? And that's what Paul found in this little town of Berea. Now, let's notice something about them, first of all, tonight, is that they examined the truth. A little over three years ago, we came to this passage of Scripture in our Acts study, And uh, I preached about this, and maybe some of you remember that message. And I'm going to 
follow a little bit more of the outline somewhat of what we talked about before. And so we're going to look at this passage one more time. These are people who closely examined Paul's preaching. Look at verses 10 and 11. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the Scriptures daily whether those things were so. So there you find Jews in this city that was different. They were different than most of the places where Paul went. If you remember, the city of Jerusalem was quite different. There the Jewish leaders were terribly hardened to the gospel. And the thing that they were more interested in was really preserving their power and their position, prestige. That's what they cared more about than hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when Paul visited other cities of the empire, there were, there were Jewish communities there, there were synagogues there, and in many places Paul found exactly the same thing. There were people there that, that were in this self-preservation mode. Don't take away the position. Don't take away what we know. We, can't, we have to have our, our prominence in this city, so don't make us Christians. And he found that operative everywhere that he went. Now, if you remember, Paul had to face the strict strict legalism of the Pharisees in Jerusalem. And when many uh, Jews became Christians, it was very hard for them to give up those legalistic principles. And so uh, 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 Paul even had to confront the Apostle Peter at one time. Now, there was a man that that, uh, was called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ, and yet he fell into that trap, and he had to be dressed down by Paul in order to get him back on the right track. But here in Berea... The Jews here don't seem to have gone through that hardening process. Now, of course, we know this, that God has to open the heart of people to receive the gospel. And when the truth comes, God has prepared your heart for that. And that's what Luke records here about these people in Berea. They were more noble, the Bible says, than those in Thessalonica. They searched the scriptures. Now, the reason that churches today named churches Berean is because of this connection that it has to searching the Scriptures. In many churches, there are, there are Berean Bible classes. And that's to point out that they want to study the Scripture. Berean is actually a very popular name for Baptist churches. In fact, I think I looked this up one time, and if I recall, the statistic is that Berean is actually the most popular name out of all the names that there are for Baptist churches. Berean is the most popular one. What you don't find, interestingly, is that in many other denominations, there isn't much use of that term Berean. Not, not many others do. Now, one of the things we find out in churches is that, that really the Bible no longer has authority in the church. People don't believe, believe the Bible anyway, so they're not going to look to the Scriptures. And uh, in some churches, they never even open up the Bible. Uh, they start off a message or start off their services, and they never even look into the Bible And when they do read something from the Bible, the message that the preacher preaches has nothing at all to do with the text that he just read. Well, this is different for these people at Berea. They were interested in the truth of God's Word. Well, why is it that they look so closely at Scripture? Well, we can say first here that they examine the Scriptures for their protection. Anybody who accepts a doctrine simply because somebody said it, you are setting yourself up for a fall. If you are to believe something that has eternal consequences, don't you think that you'd want to check it out very carefully to see if what that person's saying is true? 
Doesn't it bear examination? I mean, if your eternal soul rests on the fact that you have truth or not, don't you want to make sure that that's exactly what you hear and what you receive? You want truth. Most people are very confused about truth today because they really do think uh, it's not uncommon for people to think that one church is just as good as another, one way of salvation is just as good as another, and the thing that you really need to do, you need to look for the way to God that suits you best. Find the way that suits you, and that's okay. Well, let me tell you that if, if that is actually the truth, if it's, if it's the truth that there can only be one path to God, then that's the path that we want to be in. But if it's true that there are many paths to God, then the pathway of Jesus could not actually be one of those ways because Jesus didn't tell the truth. If Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and there are actually other paths to God, then that means that Jesus didn't tell the truth. And so if truth is one of the things that's required to get to heaven then Jesus couldn't possibly be one of the ways to get to heaven or a way to get to heaven because Jesus didn't tell the truth. But when Paul was preaching, what did he do? He preached to these Jews and he told them, the path that you are taking, it's not the right way. And so Paul tried to lead them into the truth. So if churches are actually right today, and they say, well, what we need to do is we need to be inclusive of all religions, we need to include everybody's doctrine, it doesn't matter what people say, then the best thing for us to do is to stop evangelizing. Let's just stop preaching altogether because truth isn't necessary. God's word isn't necessary. If people choose their own way and their own way is right, then they do not need to hear another sermon. We don't have to have another missionary not necessary. Everybody's going to heaven anyway. I think most of you, if not all of you here tonight, you are are very happy that we make a distinction in doctrine here. We're not willing to be inclusive and tolerant of anything that is not pure Bible. Now, other people will say about that, well, that's not Christian. That's really not Christian to say things like that. We need unity in the faith at all costs. And that's exactly why you need to search the Scriptures, because the Bible does not say anything like that. In the book of Jude, Jude says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. The faith that we contend to contend for is one and the same that was given by Jesus to the apostles. Anything that's added to that, anything that's taken away from that is no longer the true faith. And so if we're going to protect ourselves from, as Jude says, from the people who had, who had turned the grace of God into lasciviousness, then we have got to examine the Scriptures because whatever falls short of the faith that's in the Scriptures is not a true faith. So you see, the Word of God's for your protection. It's the only protection that you have against false doctrine. It's the only thing that keeps you from being led astray. And it's the only thing that will keep you from having your soul condemned to hell. Only the truth will save. And so it's always good for us to examine truth for our protection. Now, another thing that we notice about the Brians is they examined with persistence. It says here, they searched the Scriptures daily. 
Most of us are simply too busy to search the Scriptures daily. Maybe we read the Scriptures every now and then. Maybe we will bring our Bible to church and open it up when I announce the text and everybody will follow along as I read. But most Christians really don't read the Bible daily and most certainly do not search the Scriptures as these people did. These are people that made time for reading and studying the Scripture. And did you know that it was much harder for them to, to, to study the Scriptures than it is for us? Much harder for them to search the Scripture? I mean, can you imagine uh, trying to find one line of text that would substantiate Paul's preaching as he preached when you have a Bible that has no chapter divisions, there are no verse divisions in it, how are you going to find what the preacher's talking about? If, I, if tonight, if I stood up here and say, well, I'm going to preach from the book of Acts tonight, and I'm going to tell you about this little town of Berea, and, and it's only mentioned twice in the Scriptures there, but I, that's what I'm going to talk to you about. Find that Scripture. Well, how many of you out there could find the Scripture that I'm talking about with no chapter divisions and no verse divisions? It was a thousand years before there were chapter divisions put in the Bible, over 1,500 years before we had any verse divisions. So how are you going to find out what's in the Bible? Well, you'd have to be somebody that actually knew something about Scripture. You'd read it, you'd studied it, and you knew exactly where to go to find out what Paul's talking about. And so when Paul preached the Scriptures to find out if he's telling the truth, they had to be a people who knew something about the Bible. You don't gain that without persistence. Now, something that I'll, I'll tell all of you that you need to do, don't let me do all the work. Search the Scriptures before I get up here and then search the Scriptures after I leave the pulpit and find out if what I said is the truth. Now, that's what you have to do. You have to study the Bible, and if you want to be a Berean, that's what it requires. If you want to be a Bible student, there's only one way. You have to be persistent about the study. You've got to study the Scriptures on a daily basis. So, a part of your day ought to include a Bible in your hand at some part or another. So the Bereans examine the truth. Now, the second thing we notice about them is that they verified the truth. Now, imagine that you're one of these Jews that's in the synagogue at Berea. You've been a good Bible student. You've been reading the Bible. You've been studying it daily. You take out the Scriptures and you read them and you come together with others. You fellowship with them and you talk over the things that you've just read. Remember when Paul came to Philippi, he found that group of women that were studying the Scriptures down by the river. But let's suppose that you're in this group of Jews in the synagogue. Day after day, you've been studying the Scriptures. You're discussing Scripture. Then one day, a stranger shows up, and he wants to join your Bible study. He sits down with you, and he begins to explain what he thinks that the Scriptures mean. He starts to talk to you about all different kinds of things that the Bible teaches. And what you find out is that what he's saying is far different from anything that you've heard before. You've trusted the Scripture. You've studied them. You believe, in fact, that God said he would send a Messiah and you believe a Messiah is really coming. But you find out this man tells you the Messiah has already been here. The Messiah has already come. He came to this world. He preached. He healed. He did many miracles. But then after he did all of that, he was taken and crucified on a cross. Then he was put into a tomb. Three days later, he arose from the grave. Now, in fact, all of that is in the Old Testament. But in all the times that you've read the Old Testament Scripture, not once did you expect that it would happen that way. 
The scriptures are all there, but you never saw it just like that. So what would you do? Well, I think that what you do, you get your fingers busy very quickly, flipping through all the pages of the Bible, reading every text that you could find, following along where he says, and you start to try and verify those statements. Now, here's what we find out about them. They did not immediately reject what Paul said as false. What they could have done, they could have stopped listening right there. They could have said, that's too fantastic. We can't really believe that. That's too hard for us to believe. And so they just fold everything up and say, we're not going to believe any of it. But wait just a minute. In this discourse, Paul has quoted Scripture. He doesn't present any argument without backing it up with something from the Word of God. He asked them to believe this very thing, not because he said it, but because he has Scripture to back all of that up. Back in 2003, you may remember that I began to preach to the church statement of faith. And I preached many things that people hadn't heard before. There were things in the statement of faith that we found there. The statement of faith actually teaches the doctrines of grace. And people began to scratch their heads and they didn't really understand what was going on. They didn't even know that was in the statement of faith. They'd never studied it before. Well, what I did not do, I didn't ask anybody to receive what I said simply because I said it. I never asked anybody to do that. We looked at our statement of faith and we looked at the scriptures that backed those things up. So we took the Bible, we started looking at the Scriptures, we started comparing Scripture with check, uh, Scripture, we checked it all out to see if what I said matched the Bible, and it did. But did you know that there are some people that when I began to preach that, they did this, they just closed their eyes, and they said, well, I, I just, just can't believe it, it must be false. And do you know that when I went to discuss Scripture with them, that not one of them ever opened one single page of the Bible and said, here is what's wrong with that. This is why it's wrong. Not one of them. And you know why they didn't? Because they were in Berean Baptist Church, but they weren't really Bereans. When Stephen gave that great discourse to the Sanhedrin, you remember the story there? Stephen, Stephen began to tell them about what they were doing wrong and, and, and uh, going through the Scriptures with them, and, and that Scriptures became very convicting. And they took the opposite tact of the people in Berea. What they did, they didn't search the Scriptures at all. Instead, they got angry at Stephen, and they rejected the message that he preached. They said it's false, and so what did they do? They decided not only to reject the message, but also kill the messenger. They didn't do that at Berea. They searched these Scriptures and they didn't immediately reject everything that he said as false. They wanted to discover the truth. So they didn't immediately reject it as false, but also they didn't immediately accept what he said as true. Well, it certainly wouldn't have been wise for them to just close up the scrolls and say, well, that sounds good to us. Let's go with that. This fellow must be teaching the truth, so let's believe what he says. Why didn't they do that? Well, because Paul wasn't the first preacher that came through Berea. There were other people that came and preached, and there were plenty of false teachers that were around. They hadn't, they, they'd heard some strange things before. There were snake oil salesmen then, just like there are now. And so, that's not the first time. So they pulled out the Bible and began to check it out. You know, there are many people that hear something that a preacher says, and, and they swallow that up hook, line, and sinker. 
They swallow everything down that the Bible says or what the preacher says. And they say, well, that sounds good to me. And without checking it all out, they gobble it up. Well, what the people in Berea heard was so different from Paul. The things were so different that they never tasted anything like this before. And so as Paul opened Scripture, they opened Scripture. When he read a Scripture, they checked it out to see if that interpretation was correct. So they didn't immediately accept it as true, and they didn't immediately uh, reject it as being false. Now, when, when I preach the Word of God, I hope that you trust me enough that you do believe that what I tell you is the truth, but don't ever stop checking the Scriptures. This is one of the reasons why I love the Sunday morning forum class so much. Whenever somebody comes in Sunday morning forum and they ask me a question about a message that I preach, some sermon that's been preached, I like those questions better than any other. And the reason I do is because that tells me you are Bereans. You're listening, you're hearing, and you're searching the Scriptures. I don't think that you ever ought to, ought to challenge the pastor with malice in your heart. Never assume that the, the pastor has just told you a lie. I don't care who your pastor is. You ought, to, you ought to come to him and respectfully submit your questions. But here's something I really don't mind at all. I don't mind the opportunity to look at the Scriptures more closely and to explain what the Scripture says. Here's what I've found out here in Berean the past five years. That those of you that stuck around and you really examined the Scriptures and you were interested in the doctrine, when you checked it out and you kept on listening, I've had conversations with you where people have told me, I never saw the doctrine before, but it was there. I've heard it. I've examined it. And for many of you, some of you have even said this to me, it shows up on every page of the Bible. I told you this before, and... and uh, Probably this is one of the most comical things that I've heard in the past few years. A, a, a very well-known author said that we are afraid to go to the Old Testament to prove our doctrine. And I thought that was so funny because when Paul preached about the doctrines of grace, he only had the Old Testament. That's all that he had to preach from. That's where he gathered all of his information and what God revealed to him. It, it's all right there in the Old Testament. And for five years... I have scarcely have stopped having a Sunday night series in the Old Testament where over and over and over again we've gone through the doctrines of grace. We find them in the Old Testament. So these Bereans, they, they didn't immediately accept everything as they heard as the truth, but when they searched the Scriptures and the light came on, they received the truth. And that's what we need to do. When they looked it all up, the Bible says they received it with readiness of mind. Do you know that there is not a single Christian who ought to suffer from the inability to verify the truth? As I said, it's so much easier for us today. We've got the Bible. We've got chapter divisions. We've got verse divisions. We've got all the helps that we have. We have commentaries and all these helps that are out there. All that you need to do is sit down, read the Bible, study the Bible, and the Scriptures tell us the Holy Spirit will guide you into truth. So you never say, I believe this, just because I believe it. If that's your answer for anything, it's a wrong answer. You believe it because God said it. You believe it because you've examined it. You found it out. And that's the truth. And that's what makes you a Berean. So when you examine the truth and you verify the truth, I promise you this, truth will have an effect on you. So they examined it. 
They verified the truth. And finally here, number three, they divided over the truth. Now I want you to look what happened when the truth took over. Some gladly received it, but then came those old nemesis from Thessalonica. Notice verse number 12. Therefore, many of them believed also of the honorable women, which were Greeks and of men, not a few. But when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached of Paul at Berea, they came thither also and stirred up the people. Whenever you lay down the truth, you're also laying down a dividing line. Some will take the truth and some won't. And so the truth goes one way and error goes the opposite way. Between Christians and non-Christians, truth will always divide us. Here's what Jesus said. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Never once in the Scripture are we ever told to tolerate false doctrine, tolerate any kind of untruth. We're not to embrace anything but truth. In Ephesians, Paul says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Now, if we don't separate ourselves from those who reject the truth, then what will happen is it won't be very long until we are going to lose the truth. We'll start rejecting the truth ourselves. We will not uphold it. But if you're consistent with the truth, do you know what will happen to you? You don't have to separate yourself from people. They'll separate from you. Here's what you find out. Sinners, sinners are antagonized by truth. Truth is irritable to sinners. I mean, tr- truth is like lifting up a rock and letting the sunlight shine in and all the bugs start to scatter. Isn't that what happened? You lift up a rock and all those creepy crawly things that are underneath there in the dark, as soon as you open up and the light hits it, the bugs start scattering everywhere. Truth is like that. This is what Jesus said in John chapter 3. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light neither cometh to the light lest his deeds should be reproved. You'll find out that if you are a light, if you are a testimony in the place that you work and the school that you go to, a lot of people will not associate with you. They don't want to be around. You know why? Because when you live a Christian life, when you live the truth in your life, it shines the light on the things that they do wrong. They don't like that. They don't like to get up next to truth. And so they will not associate with you. They're very uncomfortable when that light comes in. Now, when these Jews at Thessalonica, when they heard that Paul was preaching in Berea, they weren't content to say, Well, he's gone over there now. Uh, It's okay. Let him go. At least he's not bothering us anymore. What did they do? They followed him to Berea. And you know why they did that? Because old Satan is not content for the truth to reign anywhere. So they followed Paul to uh, to Berea from Thessalonica. Same thing happened when, when Paul preached at Lystra. There were people from... Antioch and Iconium that came there looking for him. And when they found him, they stirred up the people there and they stoned Paul and left him for dead. Truth always antagonizes sinners. But here's what we find out about people that are Bereans. Saints are motivated by truth. If you're a child of God, nothing but the truth will do for you. Sometimes we might get slack with truth and sometimes we don't search the scriptures as we should and 
there's less a concern about truth for us. But if you are a true Berean, a, a Christian who is a true Berean, you will be motivated by the truth. Praise God that we have people in Berean Baptist Church who became motivated by truth. And uh, truth actually changed their lives. didn't take us having a set of pharisaical rules to change people. The truth will change people. Truth motivates your testimony. It motivates your witness for the, world, for the Christ. And, it'll mo- and it will uh, rather separate you from the world. And if truth doesn't affect you, you've never embraced the truth. Truth will always make a change in you. And if you are a Christian, not only you desire truth, but you'll desire more truth. You'll come, you'll listen, you'll hear the word of God because you desire truth. You know, that's a very remarkable thing about the way that God works. The natural man never seeks God, never looks for him, doesn't care what's going on in the Christian world, doesn't care what what God is doing today. But the moment that the Holy Spirit takes charge of a person's life, and when the Holy Spirit opens a heart to the gospel of Jesus Christ, all things change. Desires change motivations change, affections change. And what the Spirit does, he makes you over into a new creature who desires more and more truth. This is what Paul found when he came to Berea. These were people that had the Holy Spirit working in them. And so they had a desire and they had a motivation for the truth in their hearts. And when that truth was discovered, they believed. They put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we read in the Scripture, it says that these were more noble than those at Thessalonica. What is it that made these people noble? Well, it wasn't the place that they were from. I just told you in the beginning of the message that Berea is an out-of-the-way place. They couldn't claim, well, I'm from the thriving metropolis of Thessalonica. I come from the city of Philippi. They couldn't say that. Sometimes we think that nobility comes from a birthright. But who are these people? They're Jews. They're hated, for the most part, in all of the Roman Empire. So they're called noble for only one reason. They searched the scriptures to discover the truth, and when they found that truth, they believed it. So how do you know whether a person is, is noble? Well, let me give you this last thought for your listening sheet. Measure nobility by success. Now, most people would look at this and they would say, well, there's not very much success in this story. We read a couple of verses here. There are some people in Berea that believe, yes, that's true. But we notice that Paul was run out of the city of Berea as well. You know, an interesting thing about the city of Berea, Paul never returned there. We don't have any record that Paul ever visited Berea again. He never wrote a letter to the Bereans, at least not a letter that's been preserved as Scripture. And the only time that we find the city mentioned again is over in Acts chapter 20. And there's where a worker from the church at Berea accompanied Paul as he went into Asia. Some have speculated that this church in Berea was so strong that they didn't receive and didn't need to receive any further correction from Paul. When we read the New Testament, what do we find Paul doing in many of his letters? He's correcting people on errors, taking care of doctrinal problems. At Thessalonica, he, he wrote to the church there, and he had to correct them about the second coming. The churches of Galatia, he wrote to them, and they had a problem with legalism. Corinth, we all know the problem there. We've studied it. It was moral difficulties and this thing of spiritual gifts that we talked about this morning. So Paul wrote to these different churches to correct their, their problems, but we don't find anything written to this Berean church. History actually tells us that the Berean church lasted longer 
than any of the other churches that were founded in the first century. Well into the fourth century, it's been noted that this church was still standing for doctrinal truth and rejecting those who preached error. And so we see the nobility here is measured by the success of that church. They heard the word, they examined the word, they verified what Paul had to say, and then they divided from people who did not receive the truth. So Paul, I think, must have been overly joyed when he found these people in this little bitty town of Berea because they received the word of God with all readiness of mind and they believed the gospel when it was preached to them. I just hope that all of us here in Berean Baptist Church, that we will truly be Bereans. We'll search the scriptures, find out, verify it all. And I hope you're the kind of people that will do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the time we spent in your word tonight. We ask you, Lord, that truly we would be the kind of people that were Bereans, people who searched the scriptures with readiness of mind, who examined your word. And we just pray, Lord, you'd make us that kind of people. Bless in our invitation tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.